Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs, raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. On today's episode, we have two guests with 43 years of combined financial planning experience. They're regulars on national TV and radio and speak internationally about love and money. They've put in countless hours of research and even enlisted the support of a Stanford-educated statistician to help others strengthen their relationships with the five money personalities. I'm thrilled to introduce you to the money couple, Scott and Bethany Palmer. Hey, Scott. Hey, Bethany. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. It's great to be with you. I love what you guys are up to. Um, Bethany, you and I have worked together a little bit over the past few months. And I would love if you could start by by breaking down kind of who you are as the money couple and where the money personality assessment came from. And then we can dive into how it impacts us, you know, not only as is a married couple, but as parents. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's really interesting. Scott and I are financial advisors by trade. Uh, that's what we have done for the past, what, 25? Yeah, 20, 25 plus 25 years. years. Yep. And about 10 years ago, one of the things that we had noticed is that not only were couples needing information about how to plan financially, especially for retirement, but they were also arguing about money a lot. We actually have this one story of this couple and it's kind of how the money couple all started. Honey, do you want to just tell the story? Yeah, absolutely. So they came in for a financial review and um, it was one of those times where Beth and I were sitting there and there was just so much tension in the room. You just cut it with a knife. And so after about five or 10 minutes, Beth and I looking at each other, kind of given like what's going on here i just asked are you guys cool or you know what's going on and and they said well actually we're here to split up our assets and the shocking thing thing was i mean they were doing everything right on paper he was a super successful business guy their company was going you know we were on the soccer fields with them uh when our kids were running around i mean they looked picture perfect. And so um, Beth and I are kind of shocked and I just kind of blurted out, well, why are you getting divorced? And and what she said rocked our world because she says, we're getting divorced over money. We just can't agree about money. And us being advisors, we're like, wait a minute, the plan is perfect. You guys have plenty of money. You're doing everything that you need to do. You know, wh- why would this be, why would this be a situation? And so I called him a couple of days later and just said, you got to kind of help me with this a little bit because you guys, the one thing you don't have is a lack of money. And, you know, he, I said, just give me two examples. He said, the first example is coffee. He said, every morning, you know, I go to the same coffee place. I have a specific coffee I like. It costs me $6.75. I'm worth a ton of money. $6.75 isn't going to break the deal. 
He says, Scott, for the last 15 years, every single time I leave for work, she hands me a thermos and, and, and basically complains that I'm buying coffee. I was like, wow, I didn't know that was going on. And he said, the second thing was lunches. Now this guy networked and built his whole company around lunches. So once or twice a week, he'd have anywhere between five and 10 business associates around a table and, and they'd have a really good lunch. And he says, every time I do one of these lunches, I walk through the front door and it's, where did you go to lunch? How much did it cost? Did anybody else offer to pay? Why do you have to spend so much money in these lunches? And he says, it's part of my marketing budget. And after 12 to 15 years of this, I just can't take it anymore. She's no longer happy because she wants to hoard every penny. I'm no longer happy because I have to spend money to make money and I'm willing to take care of myself in some different ways. And that's why they got divorced. And what we found from that 10 years later is they're not, they're not alone in that pain and in that fight and in that endeavor as a married couple, you know, 50% of all divorces end, and 50% of all marriages end in divorces. And of that 50%, we have found, and the Washington Post published an article seven years ago, that 70 to 80% of all divorces over financial disagreements in that marriage. And so that's why the money couple, money couple came to be, because we just really wanted to jump in and give resources and make make um, things available to couples so that they don't have to get divorced in that same way. And, and with what Scott said, with couples not agreeing about money, it's really what we found after all of our research is, is just because they don't agree and they don't see eye to eye on those day-to-day money decisions. And we were like, man, if we could figure out a way for couples to identify their differences, so at least they have a label, a place to start, um, wow, wouldn't that be great? So that's what led us to developing the five money personalities. And uh, we're very excited about it because it really does help, again, put that label on the differences and then can start the communication to get on the same wavelength. I think this story is a great way of introducing it too, because a lot of times when we hear money, or at least when I hear money trouble or money problems, I think of not having enough. <laughs> Maybe right, that, right. You know, where it's like, you need to make more money because that is right. such a, it's an entrepreneur. I mean, it's always on the top of our minds, right? Is making more money, but then you have to be able to manage what you have and managing the expectations with you. And your right, right. And, and also too, not just not having enough, but then debt, you know, getting out of debt, getting out of debt. And it's interesting that a lot of couples that don't necessarily agree about money, debt isn't necessarily their issue. Um, what their issue is one wants to, you know, stay more on that saver, get a plan kind of spectrum. And the other one is on the complete opposite where they either like to spend money, they like to spend money for convenience, they like to maybe take some risks, they maybe don't care about money as much. So you've got these two polar opposites, um, again, on opposite sides of the spectrum. And if you don't have, it's more than just saving and spending too. That's kind of a, 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 a... a challenge because they, if you can, again, understand your differences and if you can put a label on them, it helps so much. So before we jump into those five money personalities, I just curious, did you guys always work together when you were financial advisors? And before that, have you kind of always been working beside each other? Yes. As a matter of fact, being entrepreneurs is really in our blood. Both of our um, fathers were um, successful entrepreneurs 
And that's always been a part of who we are. So we always like to do things a little bit differently. We like to, you know, mind taking risks. We're kind of like, let's go for it. Let's do it. And that's really what started the money couple because, you know, being financial advisors, we were making, you know, a fine living, but, you know, we just had this heart and passion to help couples with their differences. So it's like, okay, let's go for it. Let's launch another business and let's make it happen. So yes, being entrepreneurs is just a wonderful place to be. But I'll tell you what, in us working together, understanding our money differences as a couple, oh, it's been a game changer for us. And we can give some examples of how it's helped us in terms of many personalities, but it's just been a game changer, especially as entrepreneurs, oftentimes you do work with your spouse, understanding your money differences because you have money decisions every day. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, what kind of gas are you going to get? High grade, low grade? Are you going to brown bag it or not? I mean, you know, just every day, tons of money decisions. And you can't say, well, he takes care of the money or she takes care of the money because it doesn't work that way in a relationship. Right. So what are, you said it's more than just saving and spending. So what are... How do you get five? What are five money personalities? Sure, sure. Well, one of the things that we um, discovered is that everybody has two of the five. And where a lot of couples make a mistake is they just kind of talk about their primary, but they don't also talk about their secondary. Um, and there's just five of them. So it makes it kind of easy. And actually, as a matter of fact, we have a free assessment online that we had a statistical scientist from Stanford help us put together. This is not a cheesy, you know, what kind of Disney character are you <laughs> kind of thing? No, this is based on science. Um, identifying what your first one is and your second one is, and then how they work together. Um, the first one, do you want me to just go through? Yeah, sure. Okay. The first one is a saver. Those are people who love to save. Interesting thing about savers is they don't just like to save, but they like their other people to save too. So that's where in a relationship it gets to be a problem because if I was the primary saver, I would like to save, but I would also bring on him that he needs to save too. So saver's the first one. The second one is a spender. So that's opposite. So if I'm a primary spender, then I like to spend money. I like to spend money on convenience. Um, I like to spend money on myself, but I'm also a huge gift giver. Spenders are very, very generous generally. So again, the other person, you know, I like to give gifts. So I would be giving gifts a lot to myself. Um, so saver, spender. The third one is a risk taker. Um, these, a lot of entrepreneurs are either primary or secondary risk taker. I'm secondary risk taker. Um, they like new adventure, different, whether it's big, new adventure, different or small, new adventure, different. Um, it maybe even like trying a new restaurant. They just like new things different. So the fourth one is a security seeker. Um, security seekers love a plan. Um, always want a plan and want other people to have a plan too. I mean, that's super important. So like, um, well, let's just leave it at that. They like a plan. Um, and then the fourth, fifth one is what we call a flyer. And a flyer, what we found is there's about 10% of society are primary flyers. Flyers really kind of fly by the seat of their pants when it comes to money. Money is a kind of your top concern. Um, you actually put relationships over money. So for example, my mother-in-law is a primary flyer. So you, you know, ask her to go out to eat. It's where are we going? I don't even care where let's just go. Cause it's all about being together. And, um, so where, and I'll have Scott describe the differences 
where it really matters in your primary and secondary is when they're kind of don't seem like they're the same. Like a third of the people that have done, gone through our assessment, we've had about 500,000 go through our assessment. Um, a third of people are either primary saver, secondary spender, or primary spender, secondary saver. So it just seems so opposite. And maybe Scott, you can explain yeah, a little bit how that was, works in our relationship. Yeah, it was it was funny how we were actually doing a, a large conference, and afterwards um, we were signing books, and and people were coming through and asking questions. And this lady and her daughter came up, and she says, "Well, I'm just really confused." And I said, "Okay, what's going on?" She goes, "Well, it says that I'm a primary spender and a secondary saver. That doesn't seem like that should be able to coexist in my brain." And I I turned to her daughter and I said, "What's one of the favorite things that you and your mom do?" Because I knew in advance it was going to be shopping because if she's a primary spender, she loves to shop. And so the daughter said, oh, me and my mom, we just love to shop. And then I said, well, have you ever bought anything for full price? And the look on her mom's face was like I had just sworn in church. I mean, it was like, of course, I've never spent, you know, I, I've never. She goes, of course not. We always go to the clearance racks first. And I said, did you just hear what you said? Like you love to shop, but you would never pay full price for an item that you really wanted. You're much more comfortable on the clearance. And that's how this spender saver works. And so in Bethany and I's relationship, not only personally, but business wise, we're both primary spenders. So if she spends money, I don't care. If I spend money, she doesn't care. But where we have a lot of conflict is her secondary money personality is a risk taker. And mine is a security seeker. So I don't spend, I don't mind spending money at all, but there has to be a plan. It has to be planned for it. It has to be budgeted for go spend as much as you want, as long as it's in with the parameter that she and I set together as where she's a risk taker. So if she sees an opportunity, she's going to jump on that opportunity as where I'm far, far less likely to jump on that opportunity. And so that's what's created tension in our relationship is we'll be going along, spending money, everything will be fine. And then we'll have a major disagreement because she spent money that wasn't really in my plan. And that's where we've butt heads in the future. Good, bad, or indifferent. It wasn't in her plan. It was in my plan. But that's where couples really can stress out is, you know, one's a spender, one's a saver. Uh, one's a security seeker, one's a risk taker. It's those areas that really create the conflict in a relationship. So it's really beneficial for both spouses to take the assessment then so that you can figure out not only like what your personality breakdown is, but also what your spouse is and then start figuring out. It reminds me a lot about, of like the love languages book. Absolutely. And it's, 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 it's more important than the love languages because it, you deal with it every day. So if you think love languages are important, if you know each other's love languages and you know each other's money personalities and you speak mm -hmm. to them, wow, it can just be so powerful. We have a number of resources because just knowing them, that's one thing, but then taking them to the next level and saying, okay, how can we use these in our relationships to bring us closer together instead of dividing us apart? And so as you go through the assessment, you'll see the resources, but um, a couple that one that really sticks out in my mind is our um, system. So you can take your many personalities, apply them to a really simple system. 
So you're not talking about money a lot anymore. You're act. I mean, you know, you're not arguing about it anymore. You're actually able to give some room into your relationship because you actually are going through the system. So we have a money huddle, a money dump, a fighting fair. So these are all put in a system to take your money personalities to the next level. And again, wow, if you conquer this in your relationship, it actually gives you much more room in your relationship for the love to grow. And we've just seen it over and over with different um, couples. And it's really, really powerful stuff. Now, you and I have talked before about how these personalities are pretty static. So like major, you know, they don't change a lot throughout your life. Um, right. How right. do they develop in us as a kid? Like, is it based on how I was parented or how does that start? Sure. Sure. Well, a lot of people say, you know, they ask us uh, probably two of our most common questions are, are you born with these or not? You know, the nature nurture issue. And then the other question we get is, do they change? And so we love to use the example, you know, when, when people ask us, you know, are you born with these or how does this work? Or are you, they'll, they'll start off and say, well, I used to be this way. Now I'm this way, you know, that kind of thing. And we say, you know, what's really interesting is we really find that these many personalities are ingrained in you at birth. They're really in your DNA and they're God-given. And the way that we know that is by, we did a real full study because we have another book um, called um, The Five Many Conversations Just Have With Your Kids at Every Age and Stage. Because um, what happens is, is we did research on kids and probably a kid's earliest form of currency is candy. That's probably, you know, if you think about it, when a kid gets candy, they either kind of eat it really fast or they save it or they trade it with their friends or they put a money consumption or a candy consumption plan together or they really don't care. They kind of give it away to their friends. There's really, so we studied kids and what they do with their candy. And we found that, again, some like to save it. Like my nephew, I mean, we went trick-or-treating one year and he's like, I don't even know I'm going trick-or-treating. I have candy from last year, you know. Um, and then you've got some kids that just really consume it really fast. Those are your spenders. We have some kids who trade it with their brother. That's one thing that I used to do. Um, we have some kids that, that kind of put a consumption plan together. That's what I used to do. I used yeah. to, you know, separate all the candy and start with what I like the most and that's what I would eat. And I'd kind of work my way down the candy food chain. Right. And, right. Right. But it, it's so, oh, and then it's, the last one was the flyers, yeah, you know, those are away. the kids who just give it away, you know, kind of to their friends. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. We really do believe that you are born with these money personalities. Now with that said, we're both primary spenders. Um, I'm a security seeker. Bethany's a risk taker. We have no saving in our DNA at all, but <laughs> because of what we do, we know how much we need to save for retirement. We utilize the appropriate retirement plans and we do different investments on the side. So we have learned to make sure that we're not just consuming so much that we're not taking, not taking you know, advantage of what we have right now and the resources that we have so that we can live a retirement lifestyle that we want. But really, when we get to retirement, we will have saved enough for retirement so we can continue to consume. <laughs> and so it's, you know, what my, my youngest is a primary spender and secondary security seeker. So he's exactly like me. And when he was starting to save for his car, when he was about eight or nine, I said, you know, this is a future spending plan. I never said the word savings. I didn't say we're saving for a car. I put it on that. You're going to, the more you, the more you have set aside in this spending account, the nicer car you're going to get. 
So as he was thinking and, and basically saving his money, he wasn't thinking I'm saving my money. He was totally focused on, I get to spend this money on a car in the future. And it's a, it, it's just a minor adjustment that we made with him, but he bought his first car uh, when he was actually 15. Um, so he, you know, just even positioning it different with your kids and talking their language, just like we have to talk a little bit different with our spouses is absolutely huge. Yeah. You know, which situation, um, let's say one is words and one is touch. So, so let's say Scott's is words. Well, I'm going to, because I know that I'm going to use many more words of encouragement. Um, let's say mine is touch. Scott is, and his isn't. He's going to touch me a lot more. Same thing with your money personalities. If Scott is a spender, security seeker. So I use words like, you know, we're going to spend or we're going to go, but I really hone in on his security seeker because that's where we're different. Honey, what's the plan? What are we going to do? You know, what, what, how are we going to make sure we accomplish our goal? Those kind of words. And that just connects us so much faster. And he hears me, you know, that that's what it's all about in a relationship. How can you use words and connect better? And that's what we do. And, and after you take the money, free money personality assessment, there's a program called master money personalities in your marriage. And it gives you those words to use. So like, for example, plan for security seekers. I'm going to use that word all the time. And I do. As a matter of fact, my two sons and my husbands, every single one of them, their secondary money personalities are security <laughs> seekers. I don't have security seeker in my bones, but I've learned. And I now I'll say things to Scott, like, what's the plan? And that's like the first thing that came out to my mouth. And I'm like, what? So, you know, we become older, we become wiser. You know, I really believe that, you know, a very, very well-rounded person is going to really learn the other money personalities and what those strengths are and try to absorb and try to implement and integrate those into your life, it will help you be a more well-rounded person. I mean, if we all saved well, if we all spent well and were very generous, if we all took some risks and gave some adventure into our life, if we all had plans, if we all kind of put money, you know, relationships over money from time to time, a lot more than we do, man, what a much more well-rounded world we would have. So we give you the tools to do that. We're excited. About and I think that I'm glad that you pointed that out. And I think that story is a great one. I love the actual example of, of using some of those words with your son. Um, and I think like with most personality assessments, we just, I just did a talk with somebody, the Myers-Briggs personality assessment, and they're all, they don't box you in just like this doesn't box you in. You know, you, you learn. No, absolutely not. You know, some people are like, I don't want a label. Don't label me. Well, you know what? If I go into the canned food section of the grocery store and none of those cans have a label, I'm going to have a real hard time finding my beans. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's like, come on. But the, I think we're all a little bit smarter than that. And we can understand that these are tools. These are tools to help us relate and communicate so much better. The accepting of one another encouraging of one another and then also in the challenges that we have you know find some find some tools to be able to help us um just again be more well do you have any feel or stats or anything on how likely it is that you and your spouse are opposite or that you and your kids are opposite is that typical we yeah we have found that 80 percent of all spouses have at least one opposite dynamic in their relationship so at least 80 percent of us married somebody that has a different money personality. 
than we do. And, and in very few cases, do you have the exact same primary and the exact same secondary? So 70% of the marriages that end up in divorce say that money was the number one reason for their breakup. Well, statistically, we've totally proven that that would make sense because 80% of us are married to our money opposites. So yeah, we absolutely have found statistically that that's, that's a very, very accurate. Um, and it's funny, at first I was thinking, well, at, at first, life would be so much easier if you just married somebody who was like your exact same, but then you'd both have the same like disadvantages too. Right? Challenges. So yeah. almost by finding right. somebody. So if you're both, right, exactly. If you're both spender risk takers, you know, you're going to have to be pretty intentional with that saving part or pretty intentional about having a money plan, you know, you, but you know, we, we've, we've only had about what three or four couples come up to us ever and tell us that they're the same. Wow. It's amazing. So there's usually one difference somewhere um, between the two of you and just identifying it and labeling it. Oh, so helpful. Oh, I can't even tell you. It's like freedom, yeah. you know, and, and then to have those tools. Oh, well, and I love great. the candy as currency. I want to jump back to that too. Um, it's funny, my kids, you know, they get money from the tooth fairy and birthdays and holidays. And the first thing they do is buy candy with it. Like they don't want, they say they want money, but they only want money so they can buy candy. They don't want right, yeah. to hear about saving it for other things or spending it saving other ways. It or, 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 yeah. I swear, any word I use, yeah. it doesn't matter because they don't want money, they want candy. So I love that yeah. example. And I mean, Halloween was a while ago, but I can still remember like the kids, I've got my little one who every time she got to pick a piece of candy, she dumped her whole pillowcase out, sorted it by kind yeah. of candy and then made her choices. Yep. And we use the Switch Witch who like brings a toy. I don't know if you've heard of the Switch Witch, but brings a toy depending on how much candy you leave out. And I've got one kiddo who was like, take all my candy. I don't want any of it. I'll take the toy. Really? It was interesting. Just, it's interesting. so interesting to see interesting. how they all handle. Um, it's so differently. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. So do you, what are, so I know we talked about the assessment. Um, what are the resources for parents to, can the kids take the assessment or it would seem like it might be too reading heavy? Yeah. Well, it's really cool. We actually set up three different assessments okay. for kids. One for age kids, um, five to 12, right? The next age is 13 to 17. And the next age is 18 to 25. So, and we adjusted the questions to be age appropriate. You sit down with your child, you ask them the question, you fill out the answer. But here's the thing that's really important for our parents. A lot of times parents want to kind of direct them towards how they would answer it. And the most important thing is to let your child be individual. You know, my, both of my sons, our sons are very, well, both of our sons are very different than me. One of our sons exactly the same as Scott. And the other son is a primary risk taker, secondary security seeker. Oh, And it has been so helpful to know that about him. And so again, when, when you, the kids take the assessment, you do it all online and it takes, it'll probably take you about 20 minutes, 
um, sitting down with your child. Um, but obviously the 18, 25 year old, you don't have to sit down with them, but, um, you know, it's just, again, so helpful. It will email you their results. And then you take that and read. We actually put our book together, the five money conversations to have with your kids at every age and stage. We put it together so it can be a resource all the way through to when they're 25 years old, because we put it into the age categories of five to 12. 13 to 17, 18 to 25. And we also gave examples of how to talk to the different money personalities, you know, have the conversation, but how to do it using their money personalities. So super, super helpful. I'll tell you, it's just been a game changer for so many people. And I can see, especially from an, I've, we've talked about financial education and a couple other podcast episodes, you know, um, months ago, but I think yes. that this kind of fills a gap that's missing there. I mean, as a as an yeah. adult, I've had to do a lot of repair because I made poor money decisions. And I don't blame my my parents. I don't. Um, but I think that there were definitely gaps, you know, that things that yeah. I missed as a, a child, as an adolescent, as a teen, whatever, um, made right. those mistakes and then had to fix them. I think it would be beneficial to know what their personalities yeah. are so that you know, like what areas are, are need to be focused more on. And like you said, what language to use so that it is easier. Um, right. Right. Our flagship book, um, the five money personalities speaking the same love and money language. So there's a language that goes around with each money personality and your kids are, could very quite possibly be very, very different than you. And it's so funny because a lot of people are like, you know, I just can't believe, you know, kids, there are so many uh, advertisements are thrown their way. They all, they're all, they're consuming so much and all that. But then you get the one kid that won't let go of their money. Why is that? You know, it's, it's not just, it's just because they're ingrained in them that they don't want to let go of it. They're, they're a saver. They don't want to let go of it. So it's like, that can be very confusing if you don't, again, have that label that really helps you identify those differences. And, and like a family that has three kids, all three kids could be very, very different. Yeah, which would be interesting. And I, I just had this thought. Yes. Um, so I'm going to throw it out there and you can let me know what, <laughs> what you think. But is there, is there anything in this that could be helpful for a business to tie to their sales messaging? Like, would it be worth it to know some of this, uh, these words that you can. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you have a consumer that is a spender and a risk taker, go for it. Oh my goodness. They're going to probably be your best customers. Um, but yeah, the savers and uh, um, security seekers are the ones that are the tougher to sell to. So you just go the practicality route right? Um, with them. It not only is it on sale, but man, is this going to be useful? Um, with your flyers, you base it all on relationships. You say, this is going to make your life better. It's going to make your family relationships better. I mean, you can really, you know, gear marketing and, and um, um, presenting in such a way that you can hit each of those, each of those groups. But obviously this, the spenders and the flyers, it's all about the reward. It's all about the relationship. It's all about having this, this new incredible product that you need to buy right now. That's what's going to speak to them, speak to them the most. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that for any entrepreneurs out there that are building a consulting business, 
Um, knowing your potential clients too many personalities is so helpful as you're consulting them. Because let's say, for example, you're consulting them and they're a saver security seeker. They're probably going to be have just a really, and you're trying to maybe consult them to build their business bigger or something like that. I don't know. Um, they're probably going to have a hard time investing in their business because that's who they are, the saver security seekers. So talking to them based on their makeup and who they are, wow, so helpful. So um, we do have people who are consultants. They have their clients take the money personality assessment before they actually sit down with them. And um, then it's kind of fun because you've also taught them something new about themselves and um, give them tools. We have a lot of consultants um, purchase our resources to be able to give out to their mm-hmm. clients um, afterwards, it's like our books or, you know, our kits or our systems or whatever. But it's just a really useful tool in so many ways. You know, obviously, in a, in a, also in a, a company setting, you know, knowing what, you know, let's say you're a manager and you, ha- you manage five different people, let's say. You know, man, knowing your money for size differences and charting them, oh, so helpful. So, so. No, I can definitely see how that would help somebody with getting the tools that are going to get people to take action. Yeah, now, absolutely. absolutely. I know we're kind of running up against the time clock. So can you tell yes. us really quickly, number one, where do we find the assessment? You said it's free right now. Sure. And then number two, yes. where can people learn more about you guys and connecting with you guys directly? Absolutely. The bl- best place to go is themoneycouple.com website. We do also have um, our social. Um, we're heavy on Facebook and Instagram. Those are probably our two biggest ones at The Money Couple. And um, But you know, right there on our um, landing page, you'll find um, the free assessment and uh, all the resources um, will be shown to you throughout the process. And you said probably 10 to 20 minutes for the assessment? Yeah. Oh, um, individual. It's usually under about eight minutes. Yeah, about, eight, about eight minutes. For eight to ten for a, an adult. I mean, right. I think it's totally worth it for people to do. I just want them to have the expectations so that they can reserve the time to show up and be present, and you know, uh, get through it, get the most out of it. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and I always say, answer the questions from your heart. Don't answer them. You know, don't try to trick it into making you something that you think you want to be. Just go ahead and answer it, being a really relaxed present place and you'll, you'll get the amazing results and, and you'll say, Oh yeah, that answers a lot of questions about myself. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I think this has been hugely valuable. You know, I'm a, a big believer in, in what you guys are doing. And I think that this is going to be a great addition, you know, to people who are already maybe using the love languages book or other personality type tools sure. as well. Sure. Well, it was great to be with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having thank us. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of the Familypreneur Podcast. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. Do us a favor. Share this podcast to a friend. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring.